Hello again, my name is Robbie Irwin and you're very welcome to another in our Legends of GAA Senior Times podcast. The Senior Times magazine, of course, for people who don't act their age, maybe like my guest even this evening on myself. But anyway, my guest this time is a man who uh, I have to say I've admired for many, many years, not just for his prowess and brilliant hurling skills, uh, but for his attitude and indeed dedication to those he has cared for over many, many years in his former job. And a gentleman I am madly jealous about, as he has had the honour of that great march around Croke Park, leading his county on All-Ireland Hurling Day. And indeed, on that particular day, lifting the Lee McCarthy Cup for his county, Wexford, for the sixth time. It's the legend that is Martin's story. Now, Martin, that's a decent introduction. Follow that. I can't. That's, you, I don't know where you got your facts from. <laughs> anyway, come here. It's great to they sounded very good. I'll, I'll, I'll absolutely take that any day. <laughs> Great to have you on the on the podcast, Martin, and uh, lots to talk about. But first, can I just tidy up something here? Because um, I don't know if you know a man called David Medcalf. David Medcalf, for many, many years, uh, used to do hockey reports for RTE. Absolutely. And David, <laughs> David Medcalf, I think, was the man who would almost phone in every time. Now, I'm going to do it the way I could say Eulart the Balak were playing. Because already we always got it wrong. And he insisted that it was Eulert the Balak. Is that right? Eulert the Balak. The Balak. So he was yeah. right. B-A-L-L-I-A-G-H. And it's an Irish word for meaning the way. So it's Eulert the Balak. Yeah. I'll tell you what, though, Robbie. It was a pet hate of mine. It was pronounced wrong and still is. We're still called Eulert the Balak. Yeah. We're Eulert the Balak, which is Eulert means... In Irish, it means orchard, and, and the ballot means the way, or, the, you know, an opening or a, a valley, whatever, the way. So that's yeah. what it is. But so David Metcalf wasn't wasting his time all those times that he was phoning in. Yeah, but I knew Dave through the hockey as well, because I played hockey in Dublin when I was in Dublin, and I would have known <laughs> Dave as well. So I yeah. used to always on from about that. You can't even pronounce a simple thing right, like Owler the ballot, like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So we know what it is now. So for everybody who's listening to this, you know what it is. It's a fantastic name, and it means it means a huge amount to yourself, Martin. And um, not just because of the name, obviously, but because of what it has meant to you over the years through your hurling. Tell us a little bit about where that all started for you. Well, like my father would have brought us out, out and just hurled up and down in the field from the time we were three or four years of age. Like I'm the youngest of nine, and every one of them played hurling in a camogie. Well, so. Yeah. It was very simple for me to follow suit on it. I remember the first time I got my nose broken and my lips split. I was three years of age and they wouldn't let me play. So I ran in and grabbed the ball, but I got a belt of a hurling in there. And I mean, it just carried on from there. That's why I have such a big root of a nose. Like, you know, it got broken so, so it was, uh... many times. And then like Father Staples, Father Staples then was our, our Catholic curate in the ballot. And there was two things you did in our ballot. Well, in the ballot specifically, there was two things. You boxed and you played hurling. And that was it. Yeah. Like, that was your... They were your two sports growing up, like. Because I mean, apart from that, you've actually made a very good point. Something I was going to bring up with you later on. Um, your boxing is huge in Wexford. I mean, I mean, I know so many champions came from there. And Billy Walsh, who we will give a mention to a little bit later on, like he's very famously, of course, in Wexford. So hurling and boxing were the sports. Did you did you partake in the boxing a I lot? Did, I did when I was about fifteen or fourteen, but I was not real good at it, to be honest. Do you know mm. what I mean? I just wasn't good. I wasn't good at the boxing. I wasn't too bad at the hurling. I, I played, I won an under 14 Leinster medal with Billy Walsh. Billy Walsh for Wexford in, in I think, it was 77. 
Wow. Inboxing, obviously. There's, there's a bit of what we want to call it, information. <laughs> and the love for, for hurling and the passion. I mean, again, Wexford, a, a, an amazing county in terms of hurling. Um, were you aware of the, the likes of, say, Tony Doran? Obviously, he was there in, in the sense that he would be somebody, I presume, and, and his era and his team. Oh, absolutely. My, Go- godfather, my godfather next door in air was Jimmy Pender, we always called him, but yeah. he was always called Jimmy Prendergast. Jimmy yeah. hurled cornerback from Wexford from 70 to 79 or 80, two or three. Like, and Jimmy, Jimmy brought me to every Wexford training session, we say, in 76 and 77. That's where yeah. I got the bug. Like, I mean, I was in the dressing room with Tony Dorn and Mick Jacob and Ned Boogie and Martin Quigley and wow. everything. I mean, he used to even, I used to remember, I mean, you're talking about memories. He used to go down and we used to go down to Murphy Floods and I used to sit in for a mixed grill, and the mixed grill was nearly as big as me at the time, like, you know? Mm-hmm. But people had asked your memories, but that was mine. I'd say if I missed five Wexford training sessions in 77 would have been the height of it, like, because Jimmy brought me everywhere. Yeah. And that's where you got the book. Like, that's where you got, I want the Hurling Crow Park. I want it, I want it, I want it. That's where that came from, like, you know? Mm-hmm. And and that drive that you have and that you still have um, in your life and everything you do, Martin, that's where it started in terms of your hurling, in terms of wanting to play for Wexford and leading Wexford. Well, we had never won. I mean, we'd never won the county final until 94. And Liam, Liam Dunn was captain in 95 and I was captain in 96 because we retained it. But like, I mean, the rule in Wexford was club champions, club champions got the captain. So we'd never won that either. Like, I mean, so I would have had a very desolate uh, medal cabinet until I won an under 12 medal. I was seven. Mm. I won a record league medal. I was about nine. Yeah. I won a minor B football medal (laughs) and I won an under 21 hurling medal. Yeah. And the next county medal I won was 94. I was 30 years of age. Wow. But Martin, again, we'll talk about the famous day in 96, September the 1st. But you did have the honour of lifting that Sam Maguire, or the Lee McCarthy Cup. So like that, that's as good as 100 medals, I would suggest. Were you aware of, even going back beyond, say, Tony Doran and all those, Ned Buggy, that, that, that panel, if you like, or that era, um, the Rackhards and stuff like that. What did you know about the Rackhards growing up? Well, you would have known everything because my father was a Harlem fanatic. Like, I mean, Daddy rode the bike to Dublin. To the wow. mountains, like in the fifties, he was wow. a, that he was a blacksmith by trade. Like he was as fit as a, he was absolutely as fit as a fiddle, and he was very involved in the in the hurling here now with the Balakan the Camogie, you know. So, I mean, hurling was was the radio with, with me hollow hair, like when I was a child, if you know what I mean. And if you mm. opened your mouth, <laughs> you were killed, like you know what I mean. <laughs> there was no, and then then there was the black and white television, like you know, and mm. then but like. Like right, we have we have Adam Nolan, who was an Olympian boxer. Mm. We would have had a few others, but like Harlan, Harlan and Camogie would be the life stay of Owler to Ballock for the last forty years of that. Like you had Mick yeah. Jacob, you had Jimmy Pendry, you had Christy Jacob, Paddy Kyo, you know what I mean? Mm. You had a heap of lads that, that represented Wexford and underage and everything. You had Michael and Desi and all the Maiden and all Rory Jacob all coming afterwards, Garrett Sinnott, David Redmond. Do you know what I mean? There's, we we give a we give a, a lot of people we said to the to the Wexford hurling, but it was just 
it was a way of life. Like that's what it was. It was like a second religion, like you know. Yeah, and you mentioned there that. Uh... Uh, your your lack of medals, if you like, or your empty cabinet, um, and explain to people, Martin, why and what's what's inside every club man or woman's heart in GA. That in your case, for example, you would keep going, you would just keep going, and you would you know transfer into another club doesn't come into it at all. You play for your club, and whether you're winning or losing, it's still the same passion all the time. Explain Absolutely. that. I could not. Envisage myself putting that on or in a red and black jersey if I were like just I couldn't actually imagine it even let alone yeah like contemplate doing it like you know what I mean like it was just like you died for it you lived and you died for it like I often I often walk up of a Monday morning after losing mm. we're both Wexford and Owlert and you pray and pray I say I'm mean, after dreaming please God let it be Sunday again like <laughs> yeah, what yeah. like you know. Yeah, you like it was a queer long day on Monday and Tuesday, but by Wednesday evening, you knew you wanted to go back training again, like you know. Yeah, like it took two days to get over the hurt, but then that thing come back just there's next year, there's, there's yeah. the league, there's you know. And the success of your club uh, kind of coincided, really, I suppose, with, with you being, uh, you know, being called up uh, to be captain, I know, for 96, which obviously followed on from the success. But when did you get the first call, the first inkling, the first um, little notice that the county were interested, that you were, they, they wanted you on the panel? I never played minor. No, I know that, yeah. When I played under 21. I played under 21 and I 70 and I was still minor. Yeah, I played a couple of matches with Wexford on the 21s and then I went on to the Wexford junior team and mm. we won the All-Ireland in, in 85 mm. and I went I went then into the Wexford senior panel and I was in it until 2001 yes yes and, and, and I heard two years or three years with the 21s centre forward and you were in and out and you were doing okay like I mean you weren't she wasn't setting the world on fire or anything, but I got a great break when I went into the senior team. I, I, I went in in the, in the summer of after the summer campaign of 85 and I went in for the league campaign. And um, John Byrne, Glyn Byrne, broke his fingers and I got my chance. And I never, I just kept me place like, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I mightn't have got a chance. That was my first year in, uh, and I mightn't have got a chance maybe for two years, or they yeah. got an injury. Yeah, and well, that's the whole, and I mean, that's that's one of the great things about sport, whatever sport you play, when you get the chance, you got to take it. Yeah, yeah, and I, I can remember, like, I, I can remember we played Limerick up in, I think it was the quarterfinal of the league up in Port Leash, and I think I scored one, two, or one, three, and mm. we played Galway in the semi-final, and I think I scored one, two, or one, three, mm. and that sort of you know, gave you a little bit of confidence in yourself too that you were, you know, you weren't out of your depth. Yeah, yeah. And then it was a case of of training and keeping in the panel and made sure you made the panel. And I mean, what really stood to me was every night we trained, I was hurling on either like John Conran, who had been an all-star and was a Wexford stalwart, like, and Pat Kenny. And like, you got nothing for nothing off them. Absolutely nothing for nothing. And I think that stood to me after training on them for three or four years, that every time you matched up in training was as tough as any match you went out to play in the championship. Yeah. And could yeah, it just... Level, I used to be marking maybe Byler Dempsey or Jimmy Pender or some of them, and you got yeah. nothing for nothing either. So 
like that time it was a little bit different like there was no tactics there was no game plan the ball was hit between you and your opponent and it was either you got it or he got it mm-hmm. and if you lost the first five or six you sort of you were told you have another five minutes there and then the curly finger would be coming like you know what I mean so, yeah. Yeah. Like, people give out about that now and that but that gave you that gave you the belief that look I have to do something in the next five or ten minutes mm-hmm. Like not maybe not if not but I have to. Yeah. So, like it was like it, it, it was like the gun to your head type situation. And I, I don't know. People give out about that and they say, I know you're putting pressure on and you're putting. But like if you were on the field, your job is to perform. Mm-hmm. That, that's your job when you go out there. Like that's what you're supposed to do. Not not go out there and run around doing nothing. Like you know. Yeah, and I know, and I mean, I've often heard you've been interviewed, Martin, and I've seen things you've written and been you, you like that, what you've just said there now. I would suggest it's a real typical Martin story um, phraseology because you, you don't believe in what other people do. You believe in what you have to do is what determines what you how you play and how your team plays. No matter what tactics the other crowd might have, your tactics are to outdo their tactics when there is tactics. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Well, I always felt I always felt I'd play centre forward or wing forward or midfield or whatever, and you're marking some of the best players in the country. And my yeah. attitude was, if I get more ball than them, they'll have to stop me. I won't have to stop them. Yeah. Now, to say that's a very simple and, and, and philosophy on it. But it's the truth. Mm. If you win the first three balls, whoever's on the line will be shouting at the fellow that's marking you. Just tight yeah. on him. Don't be letting him away. You. Come on. And he's under pressure. Yeah. yeah. But if he wins the first four balls, you're under pressure. I mean, it happened in the All-Ireland final with me with Kieran Carey. Yeah. Because you didn't, you kind of didn't get involved in that match for maybe, is it fair to say maybe the first 15 or 18 minutes I'd, or something? Yeah, I'd say it roughly, yeah. yeah. I mean, I was absolutely being destroyed. And Liam, I said it to Liam Griffin when he came into me because I lost the stud out of my boot. Yeah. And he, and he came into me and he says, No, you're grand, you're grand. I says, I am in me. Shite. I said, The crap is being hurled out of me. Like, and he goes, No, you're grand, you'll settle. And it's amazing how I called Damien for a puck out and he hit it straight down me. I caught it, got a free. The game changed. Yeah, the game changed, but it changed for you as well. Yeah, I got I got a pint after that from player. Then I got another pint. Yeah. Then I set up one. Then I got a couple of frees. You know what I mean? But you got into the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you have to have that inner belief in yourself that you're good enough. Yeah, and I something always, I, I, I something I I always preferred to play on the best player on the opposition. Did you? Yeah, because then you had to be at your best. For you to have any chance of competing, yeah, yeah, Martin. Can we just go away from hurling just for a second? Because I'm, I was always in you know, when I got to, to know you first back in the day, as they say, I and I never got a chance to ask you really about it, even though I've spoken to you loads of times. Um, how did you end up in psychiatric nursing? I mean, was that an ambition of yours? Did you just fall into it, or was it something that you wanted to do? Oh, that's a, it's a family, it's a family trait. Um, my granny was the district nurse and, and the district midwife. She delivered, all of us were delivered at home here in the house in the back room, every yeah. one of us. Um, yeah. I am the fifth out of my family to do psychiatric nursing. I have two brothers and two sisters ahead of me doing it. Mm. All my first cousins. <laughs> like, I would say, I would say there's probably 30 within my cousins and whatever mm. that are all in the nursing trade. True granny, like granny was the district. Yes. No. Granny now going back in the day would have had a car. She never drove, but she would have had a car at her disposal at night time, mm. only after dark to deliver babies. It was during the day she had to ride the bike. 
<laughs> that, and Martin, now wait a second. Now, that was very posh, if you'll forgive me, aging your grandmother, but that was very posh to have a car. It was only after dark she had it at her disposal <laughs> if the baby come during the night, but she had to ride the bike during the day. Yeah. So when you went in, following the the line, the long line, if you like, of in the family of the tradition and that, um, what was that job like? I mean, that it has to be a vocation. Uh, I'm sure there was all sorts of, um, you know, horrible moments for you. Uh, were you tra- what, what sort of training did you get for that? Did you, did you have to go to study? I mean, not just the physicality of it, not just the medical stuff indeed, but I'm sure there was a lot of psychology. There was a lot of yeah. all of that had to go on. But the psychology and the psychiatry end of it was absolutely so interesting. Yeah. But, but like people have a, a taboo in their head about psychiatric illness. I mean, the one thing that I always felt was like that could be your mother, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your cousin that you were looking after that is in that position. And mm. they need every little bit of help that you can give them. Do you mm. know what I mean? People have this fear of, of people with psychiatric illnesses and it's a it's such a wrong interpretation of it, Robbie, that that only when you've sort of been there that you can see, like, I mean, these are just normal people, the same as us with difficulties and problems. Mm. I have, um, I had an uncle, uh, Martin, who for many, many years was in uh, uh, St. Titus in Portran. And I remember as a child going with my granny and my mother and various aunts, uh, we used to get a train out from Dublin out to Portran and a bus would pick you up and bring you to the hospital and we'd be in there many a Sunday afternoon with my uncle David and my memory of it was that it wasn't pleasant to be honest about it now conditions um, were, were terrible um, has that was it like that in the early part of your career that conditions it, it, and stuff were was, not nice it was Robbie sort of back when I started in the early 80s yeah, it, was, it, was, it was but with the care and attention to detail and the minding that mm. those patients got mm. was second to none. But the conditions that they actually lived in, which was nothing to do with the nursing staff. Yeah, of course. Like that that they were they were archaic and out of date. But mm. but no, I mean I mean the amount of times that we went to Crow Park and Grange Gorman, like St. Brendan's Hospital in Rathdown mm. Road, like we brought hundreds and hundreds of the patients down to Crow Park to matches. And you bring them down, like you bring them for a pint, you bring them into town, you bring them into buy clothes. Like people think, no, they're just locked up and, and they might get out for a walk twice a day. It's not like that. Like, you know what I mean? They live, they live a fulfilled life as possible is for the situation that they're in, like, you know? Yeah. Then for my last, my last 10, 15 years that I worked with learning disability in, in, in a seriously challenging unit. We used to bring them on holidays. We went to Tremor, we went to Crow Park for every match. We went to Nolan Park, we went to Thurless. Mm. We'd bring them out for meals. You go to the cinema, you go swimming. You know, you tried to make it basically a home away from home. Yeah, yeah. But the one thing you had to have, the one thing you had to have, the life I always felt was you had to have a love for the fellas that you looked after and you had to have great empathy and, and you could get a box in the jaw and it's part, <laughs> and it's part of the job. Yeah. That's it, like it's part of the job. 
Well, I was going to say that because even though I'm sure it was a, a bit of fun on the day that it happened, but yeah, you ended up retiring because of a, a, a physical um, confrontation. Is probably too strong a word, Martin. But tell <laughs> us about that confrontation. I, I was bringing one of the lads to the bathroom, and he was doing his business, and he said, "Don't be looking at me." And I turned sideways, and he jumped up on me back. <laughs> but he was he was twenty stone weight about. Yeah, yeah. And he blew out discs in a, in a vertebrae, and he blew out five or six discs in a vertebrae. So it's sort of, I ended up having to get a couple of fusions done. So I had a, well, I had a cervical and a lumbar fusion, and then I was a health risk, and I couldn't be allowed back because I wouldn't be able to protect myself, mind myself. And, yeah. Oh, but look, that's, that's, I, that's the way it is, like, you know. Yeah. How long, were you, how long were, you, were, you, were you at the nursing, the psychiatric nursing? 29 and a half years before wow. I got the injury. But I love, I have to say, I love every minute of it. Yeah, that's a long stint, Martin. And, you know, did one, well, <laughs> did, did the nursing have an effect of, this, of uh, the job that you might be thinking about your friends and the patients? Did it have any effect on your family life with you there? Did it have any effect on your hurling life? Did it, what sort of an effect did it have outside the job on your life and the way you thought about life? It had a huge effect because you, you appreciated everything that you had every day. Mm. Because all the people that I looked after in my career in nursing, like 99% of it was true fault of their own, that they, through no fault of their own, that they ended up in the predicament that they were in. So you have to make the best. I'll, I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you a story about what happened during, during 96. We were training very, very heavy mm. at the time. And there was a bit of moaning going on. Mm. And couple of the lads, I was giving them a lift training. Now, they weren't from my own club or anything, so we won't put two and two together. There were, there were lads yeah. that were doing the morning. I happened to pick them up. And I just said, geez, I need to call in to work for a few minutes now. I work with severely challenging uh, behaviour in, in intellectual disability at the time. Mm. And I just brought the two lads in. And I said, just sit there for a minute. I just want to in to get a few bits out of the office. I left them sitting. I went out, got into the car. And... We were gone about five miles before one of them spoke. And he just said, geez, Martin, I don't know how you're working. And I said, what do you mean? I said, it's mm. one of the nicest places. But he says, it's, 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 he says, I was afraid. And I said, I don't know how you'd be afraid. I said, because you should count yourself so lucky. I said, all those lads ended through no fault of their own. Like I said, and it was just an illness that they got. Mm. I said, and, and I said, it's, it, it just... So I find that, that no matter how bad things are, I'm always in a good place because I'm lucky to be able to go hurling, go home, drive a car, have a wage, have everything. I'm just lucky that, that I didn't end up in the other situation. You know what I mean? So that was mm. always the way I looked at it. But that, And we had a rule that you, you had to go in with a smile on your face. So if you walked mm. in grumpy in the morning, you had to walk back out physically, open the door and come back in. Yeah. I have to say, Martin, listen to you, and I can see you. People can't see on this, but I can see you. I can see the dedication and the passion you had uh, for your nursing and for your job, the way you carried yourself in terms of your passion on the pitch. On the pitch itself, Martin, when you came on board the Wexford senior team, what was the state of, of Wexford hurling at that time? I mean, I, I, I might just add that as a lad, I live pretty close to Croke Park, and uh, I used to love going down to Hill 16 as a young fella-ish and watching Tony Doran. I thought he was an amazing player. I thought the team were amazing. Um, 
they were unfit do it to my eye they were just fellas that loved playing and of course it's different nowadays the fitness levels and all that as well but um Wexford always had something there was always something passionate about the hurling and it was always epitomized for me by Tony Dorland and that team but when you came aboard what was it like Well, see, we hadn't won a Leinster title when I came in. It was nine years or or more. Like so, there was, you know, there was hoping for change. We won in a junior All Ireland. There was three or four of us come up off that. There were young lads around 20, 21, 22, 18, 19. And you had to earn your spurs. Like, I mean, the first day I went in, we played Ross Common and Belfield. I sat down and I said, no, first of all, not move. <laughs> moved again. No, that's where the Buffer Valley lads sit. Move. No, that's where the Rat New lads sit. No, Are you move. serious? Wow. I just, yeah. I just said after the second or third, I'm not moving anymore. You know, if whoever yeah, wants yeah. now, they can go absolutely go, take a run at themselves. But, mm. but like, I suppose that's the way it was in most dressing rooms. Going back, that they weren't weren't going to get a young upstart coming in to, to, to you know, to upset things. But mm. once you got in and got going, mm. every year, every year until the that you always felt this is it. Like. Mm. This is it. You never lost hope. Like, I mean, like 96 was my 11th or 12th year. Like, you, you never lost hope. It was just, yeah. yeah. You felt every year that you were good enough. But, but like, teams that beat us, we say maybe on eight occasions, went on to win the All Ireland. And they only beat us, we maybe five, four, three, six times that. There's mm. only mm. two fucks of a ball. Yes. So, I mean, you knew you weren't far off the mark, like. Yeah. But our problem was inconsistency. Mm. Like if we bet Kilkenny awfully bet us, and if we bet awfully Kilkenny bet us, and yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I do. I we certainly never, do. We never strung. We never strung three performances back to back. Yeah. And then, Martin, is it fair to say that uh, two words changed all that? Two names: Liam Griffin. Yes, it is fair to say that he changed all that. But, but we should have won. We should have won the league and the Leinster title in '93. Mm. I mean, we went to three matches with Cork. That's right. Yes, and, and we had Kilkenny on the rack in the Leinster final in '93. We had Kilkenny on the rack in the Leinster final in '91, mm. final or semi-final, and. DJ got away with a good few steps that day, and I'm not giving out because he took the first turns at all times. Yeah. But someone said afterwards they, they took short steps. Well, they took a lot of them anyway, whatever way they were. But come here, I remember, <laughs> do you remember the analysis that went down on the Sunday game night that night? And I think there was about 22 steps counted, in fact, of DJ, if you remember, something like that. Well, I reckon there was 13, but that's only my own, that's my own talking. Oh, well, I, yeah, yeah. Well, I exaggerated for you a fact. Yeah, you get away with three, you get away with four, you get away with five. Yeah. But I found it hard for him to get away with six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but no, no, that... that's, that's, but like, see, when, when you're winning, mm. when things are going well, you get the breaks as well. Do you know yeah, what? of course. A little bit of luck and a little bit of thing go with you. Yeah, I mean Kilkenny, as everybody knows, they've been the greatest hurling county in Ireland. Like you know what I mean, and and mm. so you had to be, you had to be at a fair, you Click had to be to at a fair, 
performance level to beat them any day you play them like you know well that was one of the things i mean that liam griffin i remember famously said when he when he uh, you know came in and when you won the all-ireland when we talk about the all-ireland in a few minutes <clears throat> excuse me but um like you were building a panel the panel was there Griffin said if we can get 20% extra out of this panel, we'll do well. But then he brought, he started to bring in um, uh, psychologists, uh, nutritionists, in the very kind of early stages of all that development. And that was something that, like, did he, did he hire a guy who was working in a university in America who was from Wexford, Billy Bone or something like that, to, uh, to, 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 to talk tactics, to talk psychology, to talk nutrition, to talk training, to get that extra 20%. Bring him into us. Yeah, no, but, but to the whole panel, like, I mean, that whole ethos, the ethos is now changing. Um, we're, we're doing all this and we're going to be ahead of other counties. Yeah, Liam's brother was coach to the Olympics in England as well. Yes, that's right, yeah. And he got an awful lot of, of top-level how to do it. That was the hockey team in England, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the hockey team from from the brother. But like, it, it, I mean, hockey in Ireland there's very little on the difference, if you know what I mean. At the time, mm. it's basically a ball game with a stick, like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he used an awful lot. Plus, plus, Liam knew that we faded out of games too. Like, I mean, if you go if you go look at our history previous to that, we would have led Kilkenny up until forty minutes most days. Mm. And you said it there earlier to me. Maybe it was a bit of a lack of fitness and. And I just think that that Liam, Liam put a game plan in place and a system in place that every one of us had no bother with because mm. it, it, it was we knew there was benefits from it. Mm. I mean, bringing in Neve, bringing in Sean Collier, bringing in like just proper eating. Do you know mm. what? Like, I remember I remember going down to the Talbot like and we got in and we got boiled chicken. <laughs> You you don't look like a, like a boiled chicken man to me, uh, Martin. Next time we looked at the table, there was no salt, no pepper. Yeah. yeah. I remember going, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we got caught. Myself and Charlie Flood got caught one night. We went into Burger Mac and, and the two of us were sitting off and they come in, Liam come in, and I remember just going, ah, caught. <laughs> and then I was saying, Rosie asked me to bring home a takeaway. Uh, yeah, chance are you? And he turned around and he said, and did you ask you to eat it as well? I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so you were caught rapid, as they said, as they say. But like, yeah. it wasn't, you know what I mean? Like people, I, I put it extremes. There was no extremes with Liam. I mean, in fairness, he, he was an extreme. If he had an extreme, his dedication mm. and his commitment to Wexford. Yeah. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times? Visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Visit doro.ie. Make friends with innovation. One of the things that, um, Martin, that I, I heard subsequently, and I think the team heard subsequently, which I think says a lot um, for Liam and his family and his wife. His wife uh, became very ill and uh, he wanted to give up the job before 96 or at the start of 96. Um, but he, she insisted that, that he keep it on. And the, they came to an agreement 
as soon as you're knocked out of the championship, or as soon as we're knocked out of the championship, I'll stop, I'll quit. Now, you weren't knocked out, you won, obviously, in 96. But um, he didn't tell anybody for a couple of weeks afterwards, and nobody knew about the illness. No. Um, Mary was diagnosed with MS. Yeah. And like, Liam wanted to quit like when they found out. And Mary said, no, absolutely not. I just don't want you here under my feet when I'm trying to you know, <laughs> come to terms with it myself and, and whatever. Yeah. So she said, no. So Liam said, right, the deal is, I'll train Wexford, and as soon as we're beaten in the championship, I'm finished. Hmm. You want to thank God, like, you know. That's what I mean, yeah, but, yeah. But, like, I mean, it was an awful pity he didn't stay on. Hmm. Because he had his eaten out of the palm of his hand, like, he, you know. Hmm. It was just everything, everything, as, as they don't say, like, get your ducks in a row. Well, Liam had all the ducks in a row. Yeah, yeah. You know, I remember a simple thing where we're going up today at the All Ireland Line. They just said, lads, everyone put on a pair of grey socks. And I just have to say, what, like, what? He says, well, when we sit down to take a photograph, he said, and your old pants roll up a bit, you look white, blue, green, yellow. Yeah, you know? yeah. We look where organised if everybody's a pair of grey socks. Yeah, exactly. You look like a that's team. How much thought he put into yeah. everything. Like, I mean, to thinking about a photograph, before the game. Now, this was just in what you were wearing up that morning, which was a Wexford polo shirt, a navy tracksuit, and a pair of runners. Yeah. But he just put the thought into it, you know? Sure. And, of course, if that had been the case, you would have been, you know, the socks would look like a team's outfit or whatever, or part of. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about that great day for you, Martin, in a moment. But um, without kind of uh, underemphasizing what Liam did, which you didn't there, but how important was he, you know, when you look back on it now? Um, I mean, he's a brilliant speaker. He's He, he could convince anybody to do whatever by his speech. You know, he'd tell Colson <laughs> to the Newcastle, as they used to say, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but sum up what, what he meant to the team, to the county, to the history of Wexford hurling. And see, he sold, he sold the game to Wexford. Yeah. He got the people so into it mm. that to hear it stand in the back of your neck when you went out on the field in 96 and 97 from the roar of the crowd because he he brought back 1798, he brought back everything. Like he yeah. absolutely like he 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 turned it into a passion like that was that was untouchable, like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Going up, going up like to the Leinster finally getting us off the bus and and you know, just getting you thinking at half nine in the morning or 10 o'clock in the morning rather than a quarter past three in the afternoon. You're already mm. starting to think like, Jesus, mm. this is so important for Wexford. Whereas he was just very, very good. He was very, very good at all of that. Like, I mean, I summed him up and my summing up on him was if you went into Lean Griffin and you were a boss and he sacked you, you'd be thanking him going out the door and you'd be gone about 20 yards down the road when you realise, jeez, I'm after being sacked. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. he would sell it to you so well yeah, what he's doing that it wasn't going to be a bad thing, that it wasn't a bad thing, yeah, and yeah. He had you on hanging on every word in training and the meetings, like you know, he had yeah. you hanging on every word, like. and he knew when he the big thing was he knew when to shut up as well. I mean, the day they all learned fine, he got Shawnee, he got Shawnee flood to, to speak after breaking his leg in the semi final, yeah, it didn't wow. have to be any more words spoken, if you yeah. know what I mean, it didn't have to be a big hullabaloo because Shawnee broke down and. Mm. It didn't have to be anything else said, really. Like. 
Tell us about the campaign. I mean, I know you beat Galway in the semi-final and leading up to that great day, September the 1st, the final in 1996. Um, what sort of a campaign was it? Was it a, did it go well for you? Obviously it did, but like, I mean, was there any doubts going through it or, you know, how did you get to the final as such? Well, I put it down as a great year to the sense that we beat all the rivals, we beat all the top teams in the country. Mm. Like, we beat Kilkenny in the first round. Mm. I'd been all Ireland champions 92, 93. Beat Offaly, 90 champions 94. Beaten in 95 final. Do you know what I mean? Galway had been all Ireland finals every year and Limerick had won Munster. So, like, through the campaign, mm. you had a good scalp every day. Mm. And every day was a big match. Yeah. The one the one that was the toughest I felt was the Dublin match because the general public expected us to beat Dublin. Mm. And that I felt was the toughest match and the hardest match to win. And we're trying to play it even now. It, it turned out that that it just Dublin are the most dogged team. Yeah. Never heard like. They will, mm. they will put it up to you every day, like you know. Yeah. And, and that was the one that I was the biggest worry about because we knew with the others we had to be absolutely, completely, and utterly top of our game, or we weren't going to win. Yeah, yeah. And we had a bit of luck. We had a bit of luck along the way. A little bit of luck against Galway. They hit a few wides and whatever, like you know. Yeah. So Martin, like I can't imagine, even at this hour of my life, what it must be like leading your county out onto Croke Park and All-Ireland hurling, or indeed football, but in this case, hurling final day. And you were there at the head of the parade, marching Wexford around, you know, hadn't been one since the 60s, and so on and so forth, all those things. What was going through your head as you walk around Croke Park? The place has gone mental. Hill 16 is all uh, purple and gold. You know, that's where, that's your your place. And Limerick broke away very early on that parade. But from you, in your head, what was that like? It, it was unbelievable to lead your county on an All-Ireland final. I mean, to me, that had to be the highlight of your hurling. Mm. To win it was the icing on the cake. Mm. But to, hurt, to be at the top table for once, I don't forget that was my only All-Ireland final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like to be at the top table for once, it, it justified 25 years of training. Mm. It justified Rosaline putting up with me gone four nights a week with the three children. Mm. It, it just, I mean, Rosaline absolutely loved her and thank God and still does. Yes. You know, so it wasn't an issue to come to every match. The kids come, it was brilliant. Like they have mm. great support and backing. Like, but that, that justified everything you put into it. Win the, yeah. was the bonus. To me, the Leinster final in 96 was the big one. Yeah, yeah. As long as they all Ireland, no. The Leinster final. Really? To me, to me, yeah. It was a Wexford man going up the steps, collect the cup. It just happened to be me. Could have been anyone. Mm. But it was a Wexford man. We weren't down on the ground looking at another team going up. We had done it so many times. League mm. final after league final. Leinster final after Leinster final. It was, to me, that was... Thank God. It was just literally. But surely, I mean, surely, you know, the All-Ireland victory and surely the walk around and the lead around and everything um, topped that for you. 
not in your heart, not in my heart, no, because the breakthrough, really? we hadn't made the breakthrough. I had won nothing. Like, I was playing 12, 13 years. I hadn't actually won anything. Right. <laughs> I won the cup medals. Yeah. They're, they're very important, Martin. Yeah, but, like, we were beating in, we were beating in four or five league finals, and you're playing replays with seven or eight. We're beating yeah. three or four Leinster finals, playing replays, you know what I mean? There's five. Yeah. Like, like you get this perennial loser thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The breakthrough was... That's Leinster final. Leinster final. That gave us the belief. That you could, yeah, yeah. But when you look at the team and when you look at the panel, I mean, Martin Story, and there's, you know, the likes of Tom Dempsey, Larry O'Gorman. Uh, I could go on and on and on. It was just a remarkable panel. And when you look at the full time score, like you won by two points, and that early enough goal from Tom Dempsey perhaps was the difference. I mean, you know, the way people say that the goal was the difference in the, at the end of the day. Yeah. The, the thing the thing that really won us the match is we gave away no free scoreable free I think for 47 minutes yeah or 37 minutes sorry 37 I think that there was no scoreable free that's how disciplined that's how we tackled that's how the backs defended like it's very very unusual for a free taker get no real chance of a scoreable free for a whole half like of a game yeah now that's how well Liam Griffin had his shooter mm. we were a man down that's right and we rotated running back to try and cover him yeah six forwards rotated who followed their free man yeah like you know it wasn't like it it, it, it was a very well won game yeah tactically by Liam Griffin and and, and the team and Descending off, obviously, at the end result didn't affect it. It didn't affect it. But when it happened, what sort of an impact did it have for a few moments, perhaps? I just thought it was absolutely ridiculous. And then off the two of them, it was like you know, I mean, in the heat of what happened, hmm. I just thought it was a ridiculous sending off. Like you know, I mean, it's, you know, pussy fucking, like, you know. Yeah, the referee making making his mark, kind of thing. Yeah, I'd thrown them because there had been a few big heavy hits going on. There was a few sort of, and it was getting, it was getting feisty. Like. Yeah, um, yeah. So he put his mark. We could not believe, I don't think Limerick could believe it or her name and got the margin art. It was just, it was pure shock. Yeah. But Liam Griffin had talked to us and we trained, matched up one night and we matched up with an extra man and without a man. One shot. Really? Well, so even yeah. the thought that perhaps there would be a sending off yeah. had gone into the preparation and gone into the tactics, etc. Yeah, Liam wow. and I, that's how that's how much he had covered the whole, yeah, the whole what could happen. Murphy's law end of it, like what could happen. Course, happen yeah. It's like taking penalties nowadays, I suppose. If there's going to be a penalty shootout, and um, players and teams have already practiced their penalties, you know, yeah. in advance, kind of thing. There was one thing he didn't prepare us for, and I talked to him on the on the Monday morning after the All Ireland final because the night of the All Ireland final. I didn't get a chance to get a few pints from really in general. I probably got four or five pints for the whole night because everybody wanted a bit of it. And I just said, you know, it's everyone's all Ireland. So I wasn't able to sit down with all the lads and have a couple of pints. Mm. Or maybe had four or five for the whole night. But yeah. uh, got up anyway the next morning real early and I was talking to Liam. And I just said to him, um, just Liam, if we hadn't have won, what would you have said to us today? Because we had a meeting that morning at half ten, Liam had a meeting call, and he called it before the All Ireland final, 
win or lose, we're meeting at half ten and 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 uh, had it arranged, like you know. Yeah. And I said to him, "Well, what? It's the only thing I didn't prepare for. Was that if we got beaten?" Yeah. Well. Well, that's great. Brilliant. I mean, that just shows you that he what he was thinking, you know, and he was right. And and tell me this, um, from your own point of view, I know we touched on it briefly, but uh, you weren't really in the game for the first 18, 20 minutes kind of thing. Sure you weren't? No. Yeah. Well, like I said, I was getting absolute <laughs> Don't forget, don't forget, no, fairness, Kieran Carey is one of the best hurlers. Yeah. yeah. I'm blowing his trumpet now. But he was, <laughs> no fairness. I remember, I remember seeing Kieran Carey hurl the 1984 All Ireland Club final. He scored four points from wing forward at 17 years of age. Yeah, like Kieran Carey was a midfielder come centre forward that was that was put back centre back to fill probably a gap, and he ended up in it. But he was a phenomenal hurler, and that's not trying to justify him hurling me. I mean, there's not too many men in Ireland would hurl Kieran Carey on his day. I yeah. was happy that I brought even with him as it is, even though, but for the first 20 minutes, I wasn't anyway. I was absolutely. But it's amazing how one break, yeah, whole game for you. Like you can be out of it, you can completely out of it. You get a ball, you get a point, you get a free, you get something, and you just say to yourself, that's it. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. It. And your whole mental focus changed. See, yeah. because when it's not going well, you hang your head and you make excuses, whereas when things are going well, it becomes automatic and you don't think about it. You just go and do it. Like. Mm. Do you miss it now, Martin? I mean, obviously, the body tells you it's time to give up and the age tells you it was time to give up and all the factors that uh, kind of come to it. But, like, I mean, to win an All-Ireland, to make the speech, you know, uh, we, we were always the bridesmaids, I think you said, and today we got married. Right, and there was, I've never seen a, I've, <laughs> I've never seen a crowd of supporters as much as, as there was Wexford. Like, the county must have been there. I mean, the county filled Croke Park, the pitch that day, listening to your speech. Yeah, Um like it, 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 it was just like unbelievable to look down across Copper after, mm. like you know, mm. you know I mean? it was just it was just phenomenal. But do I miss it? Um, you, you always miss the competitive edge of it. But I was mm. I started coaching in ninety two when, yes. when I moved home from to Wexford from Dublin, yeah. and I had been coaching all right up along. And I mean, I played junior. I played junior with the club until I was 53, which is four years ago. So, mm. like, I mean, I, I played senior. I was in the senior panel in 2008. I was 44. I hurled. I was a sub for two years on it. I, I went and played intermediate then for three or four years. I had the privilege of hurling championship with my two sons. Like, I mean, I hurled intermediate with Anthony. Yeah, the junior Martin Og in the county junior final. We got bet in a replay. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Another missed medal. Another miss winner's six, medal. He was only sixteen and a half, and I was forty-eight or forty-nine. But it yeah, was yeah. lovely. You know what I mean? Like, like people had asked you, like you know, your greatest day. Like we heard county final in two thousand and five. Senior, I was playing centre forward. Anthony was sent the forward on the minor team. Mm. I was coaching them. Kira was midfield playing the Leinster senior final in Kilkenny. I was managing that team. And Ma- Martin Oak mm. played in the halftime little match. <laughs> in the halftime, the senior match, and Rossi was doing first aid. Like, you don't get better days than that. 
And how did you fit them all in? We just that's the way it was. was like our children thought, our children honestly thought Sunday would everybody got a takeaway of a Sunday that they would not send the dinner because it was literally there would have been there would have been Kira would have been training, Augie could have been training, Anthony could have been training, I could have been training, there could have been I could have been playing league, Kira could have been playing championship. Yeah, they thought like that Sunday we we cooked breakfast here Sunday morning, went to mass and cooked breakfast. Yeah, and then it was a takeaway every Sunday. I'd say for at least nine months out of the twelve. Wow, wow, because everybody... Yeah, yeah. Where he's at now, Martin, in terms of Wexford, Davy came in for a number of years there and uh, great expectations. And, you know, um, I think from the outside looking at it, uh, certainly there was an improvement as such. And now I see uh, Billy Walsh is back in some shape or form, as as is Gordon Darcy, the hurler. Do you know what I mean? Or the, the rugby player, he's in helping out with the hurlers as well. So when you sum it all up, the last few years with Davy and now all this new stuff happening, wh- wh- what do you think of it? Where is it at now at the moment? Well, I don't think we're that far away. I, I, I yeah. honestly don't believe we're that far away from it. But, but like, see, Davy got great results for the first couple of years and we got a Leinster title out of it. Yeah. But then it became predictable with the sweeper and dropping back. Like, teams knew how to attack us and then they they completely knew we were going to be probably defensive orientated and they really attacked us from the word go like you know mm-hmm. we were predictable but like I think I, I honestly believe that Conor McDonald and all the all those group of lads like they're in their prime now they're they're 26 27 years of age mm-hmm. they have two and three of them their medals like I mean on on under 21 they have three I think they have yeah. a Leinster medal in their pocket. Like they won't have fear of teams. If those, if Derek gets Derek Egan gets, a, he'll get a great response now again. And by the looks of him last week in, in the Walsh Cup semi final, like he's definitely after nearly training as many players since he came in as David tried for his four years or five years. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Already. So there's hope. So there's hope. There's always hope. I mean, yeah, yeah. There, that, that's the one thing I'll say to you. Like that, there's always hope. Like I mean, to me. Sure, I had a very, very poor inter-county career as regards what you won. But the hope was eternal every year. You were mm. going to win the league, you were going to win the Watch Cup, you were going to win the championship. Yeah. But you didn't. But that hope was there all the time. Yeah. And Martin, just briefly, um, when you say you had that hope, which you did, and it, you, you know, uh, it worked out in 96, you captained Wexford to All-Ireland success. What did it do for the county? I mean, um, was it, what was the county like at the time? Did it obviously it raised spirits, but what, what's your feeling as to what it meant and what it did for Wexford? I did it put a great sense of pride back in people. Hmm. For about two years after, no matter where you went, there was, there was a happiness, there was a buzz, there was a talk. Like hmm. I would have heard lads saying, "Geez, where we were on the Monday after the Leinster final." Like, Mm. I wasn't anywhere because you couldn't go on the beer or you might get a couple, but you know what I mean? And they yeah. tell you, we had seven points in such and such a pub before the Galway match. And they yeah. all had their... Their moment of memory. Their moment of and their memories of it. Like, do you know mm. what I mean? And I mean, that's what hurling... Like, I have mine, I mean, I have mine up at the, the, the 70... The, the, the funny, the memory of the 77 All-Ireland final. Mm. That were on Hill 16. And do you know what the memory is? There was a bottle come in and smashed on the ground in front of me. Oh, jeepers, yeah. But it's amazing what your memories are like. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we weren't, like I was on the, that was our prize for winning the record league. 
we were mm. proud to be all Ireland final. I would. Mm. We were so small up on Hill Sixteen, we couldn't see the match. You couldn't see, and, and then with the crowd and the barriers and everything as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We never saw a bit of it. <laughs> <laughs> so while there's hope for Wexford, and while a twenty stone lad jumped up on your back and did damage to your vertebrae, and uh, you're retired, but you have that All Ireland medal there, all the same, Martin, and you 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 made the speech at Crow Park. Um, how are you? How are you now? Like, I mean, what are you at now? Yes, are you enjoying I'm, I'm life? Absolutely sure. I mean, I was coaching the club up until this year and I'll go back now and start again with Owlert underage or do something or other and I play a little yeah. bit of golf and yeah. sure, mind me two grandkids now. I mean, that's that's a full-time job now. It's probably 40 yeah. hours a week and it's not a job. It's a, it's just time. There's no mind and it's it's an absolute pleasure. So, no, yeah. I like go for a few pints of a Friday night. And lovely, lovely. And meet up and we... Try and meet up with the lads, and, and it's it's amazing the bond that's with the 96 team. We'd meet up, we say, might meet up once a year, and for 15 minutes you check in how's the children, how's the mother, how's the parents, how's everyone? And all of a sudden, the slagging goes back to the very base level of was at five years ago. <laughs> it's literally, and nobody, and of course, Martin, nobody is aged even in the group, sure, they haven't. And when you go to meet them, they're all they all look as young as they did when you were playing together, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, it's great to talk to you. You look great, um, and uh, you still have that beam about you about everything you do. You, you, you have that in you. You've always been like that. Yeah, I mean, like, I love me hurling. Mm. But, like, the job that I worked in made you realise it was a sport as well. Like, you know what I mean? That the, the job was serious. Mm. And life could be serious. So you make the best of what you have. And my mother was the most happy-go-lucky woman. And my father would have been a cross man in the sense of, he, mm. we used to always say he'd eat nails, like, you know. <laughs> and he, and he was never happy with, he was never happy with the, 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 the scores that you got in matches. Sure he wasn't. No, he, he, i tell you what he did. He kept me very grounded. Yeah. He kept me very grounded. You never got a big head with him. Because he'd always, he'd always pick out the two mistakes you made or the three mistakes you made. <laughs> so if you scored one five, and, but you missed a goal. He'd, he'd talk about the goal that you missed. Well, what he'd say to you was, was did you hurt well today? Just like, you missed one there with about 10 minutes to go. And I said, yeah, but I scored five. Yeah, but if you needed that one, just it would have been a bad one to miss. <laughs> but that, wonder... seriously, it was right, because that made you refocus that that you're only as good as your last match. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. But I, never had, I never had opinions of what Hurling was. I don't think... Like, I don't think it ever changed me the way I looked at things. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, to me, hurling was, hurling was a compartment in your life in the sense of, like, like Rosie and the kids and my mother and father, like, you know, your family and, and work family, and that was it. Like, but, I mean, we moved home from Dublin. Mammy and Mammy got attacked here just before Christmas. She got left unconscious, and, and we made a decision that we'd move home, and we built our house giant to the home house, and... And that's when it was the best move we ever made. The three children grew up here in the Ballock in the absolute arsehole of nowhere. Like, you know what I mean? And that's where it is, honestly. Yeah. Oh, sure, I've driven through it. I don't know many times, for God's sake, you know. And it's, huh? There's a church, two shops, and a little community centre, and that's it. You're gone through the whole Ballock within 15 seconds, 10 seconds. Yeah. yeah. And that's the way it should be. But the Thursday night after the All-Ireland final, there was 4,000 people in it. Wow. Well, amazing stuff. 
that's the memory. Like that's the that's the big one. That's the memory. Like those four thousand yeah. people in a place with a population of five hundred. It's amazing. And David Metcalf is right. And I'm going, I have the pronunciation correct. Don't ask me now, but I know what it is now from now on. Martin, fantastic to talk to you. Um, you've always had a great attitude to life, great attitude to hurling and the balance that life, that is social life and sport and family life balance is amazing. Um, I wish you'd continued success and look at enjoy the golf and Bally money and enjoy your family and everything that you do. And thank you very much for joining us on the on the, the podcast, the Senior Times. I'm lucky I'm not making a living out of golf. <laughs> I can tell you, join the club. I was playing the other day and I won't tell you on air what it was like. Martin, great to see you. And thanks again. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks. Mind yourself. Bye bye. <laughs>